Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast of the best shows on TV. And I'm Zach. And I'm Jake. And tonight we're going to do a movie review. We're going to hit The Hateful Eight uh, by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, of course, this was written by him and directed by him and uh, done in that, what is it, 70 millimeter film? Is that what it was? That's right. Panavision. Panavision. Yeah. Um, and like we always do, we're going to talk about our opinions and go over some favorite parts, things we thought were good, things were bad, talk about some different things, and uh, and roll on, roll on. But uh, I'll give bro the honors. Uh, what's your initial opinion, my friend? Uh, first things first, spoiler-esque. Oh, yeah, that's right. By the way, we are going to be talking about the movie. So if you hadn't seen it, I highly recommend you go see it. And so I'm kind of getting my opinion out there a little early. But um, we are going to be talking a lot about it. So if you hadn't, I wouldn't listen. But Come back and listen. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we went and saw this yesterday. I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. This is a awesome, fantastic, extremely well-written movie. Can I dare to say this is my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie? It's, it's hard for me to judge Tarantino movies because I remember moments more than the movies. Yeah. Like you think of the beginning of Inglorious Bastards, possibly the best 20 minutes of television or movie i've ever seen so that's the stuff i pick out mostly pulp fiction and kill bill movies and things like that i pick out pieces that i just absolutely love because some of his stuff can go borderline hokey pokey weird well like you said pulp fiction great you know so unique and so different and so out there but there were parts of it that were like wah, wah, you know just you know, it did have some drag and some sparks, yeah, you know, and that spot. was when he was, you know, when he does his backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards with his storylines, right. it, it was one of those first times it was like, wow, you know, a little different, you know, it was an acquired taste. He didn't do it as much in this one, and I loved it. Yeah, matter of fact, this was one of the first movies I thought we would see from him that was completely straight story, no flashback, Yeah, but of course about three quarters of the way through we get a flashback and it was well placed well done so oh yes i mean i think if we had saw that in the beginning going up to it it would have ruined everything so i think it was just it was perfect yes this movie is completely about tension and that would have ruined the tension if we exactly shown it up front i mean let's talk about the characters here you know what a cast first of all i mean just (laughs) You know, now we know Quentin Tarantino is synonymous for casting a very select crew for most of his movies, and he usually throws in a, a few big names here and there. Of course, Samuel Jackson's in a lot of his stuff. Some he's of his more popular very loyal, stuff. very loyal. Or loyal. Um, this is uh, Kurt Russell. He's been in his stuff before. Um, of course, uh, Madsen. He's been in damn near everything. Yeah, Madsen's like a, a staple. Madsen's always going to have a job as long as Quentin Tarantino's directing. And Tim Roth's been in a couple things. Um, yeah, I mean, remember him back to Reservoir Dogs, right? Uh, now, this was our, probably our first one for um, Bruce Dern um, that I can remember. Oh, I'd have to think about that. He's you probably know, what been about in Jennifer some, Jason Lee? I don't remember her in anything. I don't uh, remember Jennifer Jason Lee in something. Now recently we know period. Walter Goggins. He was in Django, um, Unchained. He was, uh, you know, in that one. So he's in this one. Um, Damien Bashar. Uh, I remember him from Weeds. Yeah. Me and my wife got into that pretty well, and he, you know, he plays a cartel leader and politician in that. Right. But he's really he's really good. He's really good at his job. So. Right. Um, 
but like you said, a few of the other ones, uh, there's a couple of guys, James Parks and, and Zobel, and uh, yeah, um, they have some good roles in the spot. But just a great cast. I mean, just absolutely great. Um, you know, the story is kind of a is a mashup of characters, and it's really unique. And then you learn some really cool things about each one of these characters. And you know, and there's some deception and who's who and who's that, who's trying to kill what. And um, I just really, really enjoyed just about every stinking part of it. You know, I just, I'll be honest with you. I was never dull. It was never a drag. There was always something, you know, unique. The dialogue was so impressive. Um, the acting going with it was impressive. The, the mystery unveiling over two hours and 47 minutes of film, you know, you were never bored and the mystery was always cool. And there was always a twist and there was always a cool element. And, you know, this happened, that happened. You don't expect this. You don't expect that. And it was just, that's why I say, I, I'm, I'm, I'm firm to say that it's probably one of it's my favorite, you know, it doesn't have the whole, like Pulp Fiction, when it came out, it was so different than anything that ever been put on film. Yeah. It's very unique. You know, I mean, it's so iconic, you know, the, the fingers over the eyes when you dance and the, you know, the, the speeches by Samuel L. Jackson and then, you know, the man rape and the ball and the, ma- I mean, just all these different things were so iconic for that movie and people, you know, we pun on it all the time for different things, you know, and that was just really kind of putting him on the map in my mind. I mean, don't get me wrong, Reservoir Dogs is also a really good movie, but <clears throat> his other stuff, you know, like you said, Glorious Bastards, Kill Bill, all these they're really really good and they they blur the lines of acceptability when it comes to your your, your viewer audience but uh this one was more like it was a really well written well acted well conceived from start to finish which is not typical for him but i really enjoyed it yeah you know with tarantino he's going to push the boundaries of an r rating yeah that's an understatement for this one and from what i understand he really had to change a couple things to get it out of the NC-17 range. Now, this, in my opinion, was not as not not as violent and not as um, crude or, I don't know, just ridiculous as Django to me. Well, Django, to me, Django was almost a parody of slavery and the comedy you could make with it. Well, I, yeah, I just feel like it was a little more out there. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed Django. That was a fun romp of a movie. Oh, yeah. Um, but I felt like the characters are more caricatures of a time of, you know, horrific time in this country. This feels like the just nasty Old West. Absolutely. But, but where are we, actually? We're Wyoming. Wyoming. So uh, Right after the Civil War. Right. You know, well, what is it? Twenty years after the Civil War, it looks give like. or take, yeah, fifteen to twenty years after, um, which is awesome because, like you said, we got a great list of actors, but the characters they play are huge roles. Bruce Dern plays an ex, or I guess still a general from the, the Confederate. Confederate Army, yeah, and then Samuel L. Jackson is a major, you know, freed slave major for the Cavalry of the Union. And the Union Army. And they battled against each other in Baton Rouge. Yeah, um, there's some history there. Right. So we got Walton got, Goggins, who's going to be the future sheriff of... Red Rock. 
of Red Rock, the city that they're trying to get to, which they all think is horseshit. Well, Kurt Russell's character thinks it's horseshit because this guy, what's his name? Chris, um, ah, what's his character's name? Maddox. Chris Maddox. Or Penix or something like that. It's I something. think it's Maddox. Or um, Minix. No, yeah, it's a like unique that. name. Uh, he uh, <laughs> he plays it well. He really does. But he's the son of of his, you know, of a guy who led a huge rebellion after the war was already yeah, a over. Rebellious army you know. uh, for the South. You know, they wanted to fight and defeat. You know, and keep the hope for the South alive or whatever. And they don't hold much respect for him either. And then we get Tim Roth's character, Oswaldo, and he's supposed to be the future hangman uh, in Red Rock, which I forgot that that was kind of a, a job, that you didn't stay in one city. A hangman was a traveler. Right. You know, traveled from city to city, depending on the execution orders. You know, so that was kind of a cool touch I had forgotten about. So he's a neat kind of off-the-wall character, kind of right. weird Fish out of water spot, you know. Well, you know, you also you, a lot of you know. You think the main character is Kurt Russell's character, you know, John Ruth, you yeah. know, which is John the Hangman Ruth, which is a he's a professional bounty hunter who's famous because he brings his prizes in alive so they can be hung, and that's hence the name. And sticks around to watch them, right? Be hung. And that uh, and that you know, he's your primary character in the beginning. However, you know, I, in my opinion, I think Samuel L. Jackson ends up basically being more of the primary character, <clears throat> you know, for several reasons. But the one thing about the movie is is that it's okay to say that there's not a primary character because the way the story is written and the way it's performed, everybody has a little bit of their own little thing going on, and it's really cool and adds to the element of the entire story. Yeah, if you base it on dialogue alone, Samuel L. Jackson has the most speaking and has the most attention put on him, I would say. I'd agree with that. Um, now, John Ruth is tr- his the story basis is is John Ruth is carrying, of course, like you see in the previews, he's carrying a live prisoner, which is um, Daisy Domergue. Daisy Domergue, what a name! And uh, she's a uh, spiteful one. Uh, uh, she's a spicy lad. Uh, yeah. She is insane. And man, do they make Jennifer Jason Lee look rough in this one? Awful. I mean, Jennifer Jason Lee is a pretty girl, and they make her look ten years older and look like she has, you know, hit the ugly branch on the ugly tree all the way down. It's it's bad. Ooh. Yeah, she looks leathery. Yes, and you know that old saying: "Road hard, put away wet." She does. She looks like a old leather glove. Yeah. You know, uh, but might I say she absolutely owned this role. She killed it. You can, I mean, be honest with you, the names we've mentioned, there's not one person I can say, yeah, we could have done better. I mean, I think everybody kind of killed it. No, I know we haven't really gotten to things we didn't like much. The only person I didn't care for was Madsen. Yeah, that's true. But I'm not sure it was all his fault. I'm not sure it was all his fault. Madsen has a stupid outfit on. Yeah. <laughs> he is a frumpy dude. You know, he's like got, got a bad body. And he's in he's because he's like just a, a steer, a wrangler, a cowboy, you know. And he he's wearing like, you know, 
what is that forearm high black gloves yeah he's got uh, this a neckerchief uh, yeah just like bright colored bandanas and uh, like a blue and shirt a shirt and it's just it's and his hair is ratty and his his head's so fat and he has barely any neck and his head his hat sits on his head like a you know top hat like a dunce cap so I don't know. I think it's maybe just the the look of him threw me off so much because it's not like his acting's bad. No. And matter of fact, he's probably the least talking of everybody in the whole episode or yeah. the whole sorry whole movie. Um, he's probably my only one that I had any qualms with. I but can go with that. Anybody, but, I mean, you got to admit everybody was pretty dynamic, though. Oh no, I think everybody was on their, you know. On their top game, I like. I think it was mainly just Matt. I think it was the, the damn outfit. It yeah, just ruined it. Well, it didn't help. You know, when everybody else had such really good dialogue, and they had such a really good little story they go along with what they're talking about. And whenever he was interacting with somebody, he was made to look like a chump. He was, um, you know, he was. He never had. He never brought anything to the table to make you say, "Oh wow, he was a memorable character of that movie." Well, he wasn't an original character. No. Yeah, I mean, he was just some dude, you know. At first, he gets mistaken as a driver, and then he gets mistaken as a passenger, and then he gets mistaken. I mean, it was just, like I said, he never had anything to him, you know. And then the whole bit of, I'm writing my life story. What? You know? (laughs) I mean, it looked like chicken scratch, and he was writing it with leather gloves on. I mean, it just made no sense to me. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, he was the only one that had the weak backstory and whatever right everybody else had some little unique quality about them that made them stand out on the screen Mm -hmm. he was more background to me right well the premise of the story again is john ruth carrying a prisoner he comes upon samuel jackson's character um you know major um with three dead bodies in the middle of the road or four um and all of them are wanted dead or alive bounties and you know, got him about was it eight thousand dollars worth of men, right? <clears throat> and uh, and I mean, it just immediately the movie starts off in the right way. You know, Kurt Russell's character is a, is a hateful rascal, and you know he makes Samuel, you know, hey, get over here, I can see you better. Drop them pistols, you know, put them on the rock. I mean, just it's just great dialogue and great little attention to detail, even like. I mean, he makes him put his pistols down, but he clears off a spot for him, and it, you know they show the the time and the effort. Um, some of my favorite things about the whole movie was just these wide pan shots of these beautiful mountain ranges and the snow and the blizzard and it looked authentic, you know. Um, it was just really, really impressive. And basically, they're running away from a blizzard and it is kind of unique how they runs upon Samuel Jackson with these bodies. They pick him up under, you know, a hard pretense. And then he runs across the new sheriff as well. Who's on the road, and so he ended up having four characters in a stagecoach who have no business ever being together. And and, and John Ruth, Kurt Russell's character, is very suspicious because he's taking a ten thousand dollar bounty, you know, across Wyoming to get hung, and he thinks every other bounty hunter or person out there is either trying to help her or trying to take his money. So he's got a gun in everyone's face that comes anywhere near him. No, it's it's and it's his, a riot. Be honest with you, his writing is so well done. <laughs> I love this because I'm a, I'm a big fan of Kurt Russell. Yeah, I've liked me him too. since I was young. I like how gritty he looks and stuff, and just his smart ass 
you know, attitude. This is a, a huge comeback for him to me. Amen. And Amen. I think age has only made him more interesting to look at. You know what I mean? You think back to Tombstone days. Mm-hmm. I love Tombstone. Yeah. I, I completely forget about movies like Soldier and a few others, you know. <laughs> Screw that crap. You know, that's just making a paycheck every once in a while. Who knows what kind of favors he owed yeah. or whatever to do stuff like that. I can look at the stuff I really enjoy. Snake Plissken to Wyatt Earp and now John Ruth. The mutton chops on this dude are wow. legitimate. And they were the real deal. Yo, he grew this out. He has that ability. And, man, you talk about a, a mountain man. Yeah, you talking about looking the part. It was <laughs> this impressive. This is awesome. This it was is impressive. Awesome. I don't know how you eat with that on your face, but. <laughs> Not well. Not without wearing I was, it. Right? I was highly impressed that he was willing to go that far for this role. I'm sure he was super excited about it, you know? Oh, yeah. I'm sure it was all set up. I mean, you, it's going to take a little while to get that kind of level of mutton chop. I'm not going to lie. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? But like you said, they're they're trying to get – he's trying to get the prisoners to Red Rock. They end up having to stop at a mini's – Haberdashery. Haberdashery. Uh, In the middle, I mean, of Samwell nowhere. I mean, on the side of a mountain. Right, which is kind of like a bed and breakfast store, you know, mixture of stuff. A stop on the way to Red Rock, basically in the middle of nowhere. And they have to stop it because the blizzard's catching them and they just can't make it. Right. And so when they get to this abadactory, when they get inside, there's this whole new cast of characters in there. We got um, Roth is in there and he plays, what is his name, Oswaldo. 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 And he's the Undertaker. And then you have, like I said, we talked about Michael Madsen's characters in there writing his life story, which is ridiculous. You got Bruce Dern, who's a, you know... A Ex-general. former general for the Confederacy, sitting in a chair, playing chess, and then, um, and then of Senor course you got Bob, Bob. Senor Bob, which <laughs> I mean, I, Senor Bob has to be one of my favorite characters for this entire thing. Yes, I mean, just absolutely over the top, hilarious. You know, the, the you know Spanish or Mexican accent the whole time, and mm-hmm. you know Gringo and C, and I mean, just you know the little quibs, and he was very short answer. He was, uh, I don't know. They they played him up real early to they be did. a problem. Um, <laughs> there's another character in the whole damn movie that would surprise you, and it's a door. Yes. The door plays I mean, a, a door, huge role. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a, a, a door that doesn't close properly gets a lot of screen time, more than yeah. some actors do. Yeah. And you actually catch a uh, pretty good laughter every time with this door situation. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a door that won't latch in a blizzard, you know, and it's freezing outside, and it was constantly blowing open. So, yes, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just it's over the top. You know, you have to constantly nail boards to it to keep it closed, and everybody has some kind of quick line, to, you know, of anger about it, and it's it's awesome. But which which seems like, you know, spinning your wheels, like something you wouldn't care to see in a movie. This movie's two hours and 45 minutes long. I'll be honest. I don't know how you felt. It didn't feel like more than an hour and a half to me when I left it out. Rolled. It was so smooth and just kept going. And yeah. it's not like he left out the B-roll. and the, I told you about the, the cool shot of when Samuel L. Jackson and Kurt Russell end up in the stage together. They make this cool shot of a, a black horse and a white horse that are pulling the stagecoach, just running together. Well, they showed that for like a minute straight. Oh, yeah. 
just really cool slow motion filming of it. And the music, and the oh music was God. so like straight seventies, you know, spaghetti western, but like it was more dynamic. It was yes, really good. The score was amazing. The beginning was so well done with the score. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a long shot. Yes, yes. They no pan doubt. on but this. That was classic. You know, yeah. it was it was you know you're 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 filming in seventies Panavision, and you're you're doing these things, and even. You know, the funny thing is when you see the preview for 8 for 8 and you see the poster like that, they have that look, you know, of something like that. But when the movie came out, I felt like I was watching a 70s movie at like a, you know, at a drive-in. I mean, it just had that look and feel and intensity of music, you know, and it was – and, and it, I enjoyed it. It was like artistry. You know, some people might look at it and go, this is ridiculously stupid. You know, and that's an honest opinion. I enjoyed it. I, I think that's what he was aiming for. I digged it. Absolutely not. The way every shot was framed in this was so glorious. I love it. No. I absolutely love it. I mean, just some of the things he decided on. You know, where the light this and where to shoot this from was just perfect, man. I love this movie. Yeah. I mean, everything was centered around. I mean, you got to think about it. We only saw two locations. You were on the road or you were in this the haberdashery, right. which was pretty freaking awesome. Um, you know, just to keep it going, I mean, the, the reality of the line is is that, you know, Kurt Russell suspects everybody in this place is somebody's out to get him. You know, so, somebody's working with Daisy to get him. And so, long story short, he wants to disarm everybody. He wants to know everybody. He wants to figure out where the, you know, where the wolf is in the chicken hen, what you want to call it, you know. And, and, you, and you almost hit the way Tarantino makes it go is that, he even makes you doubt the main character's suspicions. You know, like, why in the heck does he think everybody in here is this, that, or so on, you know? And even, you know, the other characters are like, uh, you done lost your mind, you're paranoid. Uh, and then the story just completely unfolds. And it's Absolutely. just, you know, and when he hits the button to get going, it's zero to 60 from there and on out for two hours of just straight manipulation, who done it, mystery, death you know gratuitous death you know over gratuitous death i mean it's just that was you know quintessential quentin tarantino yeah the first 30 minutes of this is pure introduction no setup dialogue amazing lines I mean, oh my god i mean i think one of the best lines of the show you gotta tell me is you know walter goggins steals the first show for the best quote right off the get-go I mean, yeah, he when they go to pull him into the uh, stagecoach, the stagecoach after unwillingly bringing him along, basically, he looks at Kurt Russell and Samuel Jackson says, "In love, grand, y'all want to lay on the ground together and make snow angels." I mean, we <laughs> was fell out laughing. <laughs> Everybody's was, theater was dying out. Oh my god, it's my favorite quote. And let me just go ahead and say, man, if you don't know Walton Goggins that well, we've known him for a long time. I know you, you watched him on the Shield. Shield, Justified, Justified, Sons of Anarchy, Sons of Anarchy. The guy is so talented. He has a small role in Django, but he is rapidly rising the ranks of actors. He, by far, to me, was number one. Steal the show of this movie. Either, or this is maybe the best I've seen Samuel L. Jackson, but Walton Goggins, man, just crushes it from playing a stupid hick. You know, to a witty, you know, smart ass one liners, you know. Oh my yeah. god, man. It's just, you know, the same character you hate so much, you pull for so much, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's no doubt. 
man, it was just so well done. I can't, <laughs> I can't explain enough how much I love the dialogue in this movie. Yeah. It's just it's just bananas. Now, if you want to talk about some favorite quotes, I'm sorry, but the most <laughs> graphic part of the entire movie, which I like, we're talking about, you know, it could have been NC-17. Is is that, you know, we do realize they set you up with when you have this retired general, basically from the Confederacy, from you know, who is known as a who killed blacks and didn't like, you know, they they use the word nigger a lot through the whole movie, and. Of course, Samuel L. Jackson is the only black guy in there, and they're having these conversations. Well, it leads to where you realize that Samuel L. Jackson has had a bounty on his head for many, many years, and a lot of people have tried to come killing him, and he's always killed anybody who's tried to come get him. Well, of course, this general's in town looking for his son who hasn't come home. Well, of course, his son came up to this mountain to collect him a bounty. We, and we, of course, everybody deduces that he's trying to kill Samuel L. Jackson. Well, Samuel L. Jackson suddenly comes out with this entire story about, I know <laughs> yeah. your boy. Yeah, I know I know the day he died, you know, all this. And goes down that story of carrying him naked down, you know, a mountain. Marching him for two hours, <laughs> buck naked in the snow. In the snow, in that cold Wyoming snow, you know. But... I'm talking about the the scene where you see him begging for his life, and it's Samuel L. Jackson's voice. It's, you know, <laughs> you let me leave, I'll never come back. You know, and it it was priceless. And then the whole the whole story about you know I made him march for two hours till he collapsed, and then I, you know, all he wanted was a blanket. You know, and I told him I said, well, you're gonna have to suck. You know, this and my big black pecker. Yeah. What he said. <laughs> and then, and he said, and he did, and it was warm, you know. And, and, <laughs> and there was blood in there. You know, and, uh, <laughs> and it was, and just the whole time he's in this dialogue, Bruce Dern looks like a man that is just <laughs> writhing in anger and fear at the same time. He looks like to a believe kid it. pulling the sheets up because Boogeyman's coming out of the closet. Exactly, you know. And I mean, and then he stops mid story and goes, I got you thinking. I got you what you got pictures in your mind, don't you? You know, yeah, you're making I mean, pictures now. Right? The theater is erupting in laughter. Yeah. It is over the top. You know, it just, it is, that was the catalyst of the entire, you know, the entire movie. You know, that where was, everything starts. That was the beginning of the violent turn the movie oh, yeah. was that's made. when people start dying you yeah. know and bruce dern you know of course we, as you would completely expect pulls for a gun and you know dies in a hail of bullets you know a gun that samuel L. jackson laid right next to him <laughs> yeah in the hopes, probably empty you know in the hopes that he would try to grab at it yeah it was a complete setup to get him to you know give mm-hmm. me a reason to shoot him justified which comes another great quote another great from quote. our boy kurt russell that's the thing about old men you can kick him down the stairs and call it an accident but you can't just shoot him. <laughs> because this whole movie with the uh, Tim Roth character who's supposed to be the hangman who talks about justice and frontier justice. Being blind. It's and kind that. of a, a through line through the movie where everybody kind of quotes different things about their form of justice and what's right and what's wrong. And, you know, there's bounties and, like, it ain't supposed to be so hard, you know. It's like, well, if it was if it was easy, then everybody would do it. And, you know, that's another thing with him. He's like, why do you bring your bounties in alive? That's just somebody kicking and screaming and fighting their whole way. And he's like, somebody's desperate. That's dangerous. Right. You know, but he's like, well, you know, that's his thing. But everybody else is like, why don't you just kill him? You know, that makes you question his motives. Question his mental capacity that he wants to see him hang 
and everything. Yeah, well, he's know? got a so, job too, you know. Absolutely. So, so it's it's really cool how they play on the justice aspect, you know, all the way through it. Oh, absolutely. Until it gets to the just mad, <laughs> you know, mad. Well, basically, murdering. you know, you you realize that you know there's a turncoat, and the story really quick. Like I said, it turns on really fast. There's some bad people, you know. They poison coffee, and which the part that I didn't care about the let me say that I I liked it because it's different, and unique. I just wish it hadn't happened because he's one of my favorite characters. I mean, you, you hate it. Kurt Russell is one of the first ones to die, you know, of the story, you know, and uh, him and Ob getting poisoned and and all those things, and then it leans, you know, some really twists and turns of events where you know. You real, you know, Channing Tatum character all of a sudden pops in and been hiding on the floor and shoots Samuel Jackson, and then you, you know, and then it's just and then with the killing of Bob, you know, and the, the whole quips of you know you call me a liar, not yet, and stuff. I mean, it really got really fast paced there for about twenty minutes, you know, and mm-hmm. really escalated the entire violent side of the movie, which was, was good. It was heart pumping and awesome, and then you get whoosh, stops and gets the intermission and goes right to back to where earlier that morning and you, then you see the stagecoach coming on up and you meet six horse jody and uh or judy or whatever judy, and yeah. uh, <laughs> and you you meet many finally and sweet dave and all these people in the haberdashery and so you, you finally get a face with a name and and it really slows it back down but it also it makes you happy because you realize okay well, now we're going to see what's really going on now we see the setup now we figure out how we got to this and you realize that Kurt Russell was correct the whole time. Yeah. You know, that he wasn't, you know, the only uh, thing he wasn't right about was, is that it was every damn one of them in there. Yeah. That yeah, were he against was like him. one or two of these are here to help him. Maybe, but oh, Senor Bob was involved too, you know? Yeah. So, yep. um, and so that was, it was cool. It, it like reconfirmed his character, you know? Um, but it's crazy that his character who was chained to Daisy Dimergoo, Jennifer Jason Lee's character the entire time. He's just a corpse on the floor. Yeah, for the next hour and a half of the movie. For the last hour, at least, he's a corpse on the floor. And like you said, you were a little disappointed that he died. But he did at least go out with a pretty cool bang, you know. And and you're right. Right after that, you know, six of the remaining eight characters get shot. Yeah, they don't all some die. Form, they don't all die. Yeah, but they're all shot. Everyone is shot. Yeah, there's only like two characters that aren't shot. Michael Madsen and Jennifer Jason Leigh are not ki- uh, shot. Everybody else has got a bullet in them. They're not shot yet. Yeah, you know exactly. Um, and back to Jennifer Jason Leigh too. She is brutalized through this entire movie. Oh my God, the sign language, the sign language, or signal. I mean. I mean, you can talk about another time when my ribs were hurting. Everybody yeah. in the theater is going bananas. Let me see if I can you find You know, where he was quick. like, we got to come up with a signal system or a way to communicate. Now, Daisy, I want us to work out a signal system of communication. When I elbow you real hard in the face, that means shut up. <laughs> Which he, <laughs> he did. He breaks her nose. I mean, it breaks her nose. They punch her in the face several times. Both her front teeth are broken out Knocked of her mouth. Out, yeah. Um, She's covered in blood the entire movie almost. Oh, yeah. Um, Samuel Jackson punches her out of a stagecoach at one <laughs> point, dragging Kurt Russell with her, almost tearing his arm off. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of poetic justice later in the movie. 
with yes. the arm tear off and stuff. Um, but yeah, she. I mean, if you have a weak stomach and you're a feminist type, this could be rough for you to watch. It's be a disaster to watch because she takes it pretty rough through the. Now oh. she's an evil bastard. Don't get it past. You. Oh man, racist, god awful, trash mouth. I mean, she is awful, awful. Yeah. I mean, you almost like you're wanting her to get shot and killed midway through because of the way she acts. But many of the characters in there are like, do you have any qualms about hanging a woman? Yeah. You know, like they have that slight thing in the back of their mind where they still respect women in a certain way where they, they yeah. think that's possibly cruel, you know, yeah. to hang a woman or ungentlemanlike or something. But yeah. but this is no <laughs> average That's what lady. you call a woman. <laughs> what yeah. you calling a woman, you know, that's yeah, what Kurt character says. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I don't want to just keep constantly spoiling everything in the movie, but this is a a movie definitely worth spending the money, spending your two and a half hours at the theater to see. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they don't pull punches. You know, like I said, you're going to see a fully naked, nude man. You're going to see frontal from 30 feet, you know, 100 feet away. You're going to have to deal with Walk the end bomb you're gonna do that. 100 times. You know, you're going to have to deal with the, a lot of that. You're going to deal with a lot of racist comments and different things like that. But they don't make a parody of it. You know, there's like I said, there's no characters. It's like they're trying to show emotion of what characters would be like, very possibly. You know, and you know, like even when it does the intermission, you know, not the intermission, but it kind of stops and goes to the setup. You're going to meet characters you suddenly like, and they all get murdered, you know, and it, very grotesquely, you know. And, oh, absolutely. And it's going to kind of stun you, you know, and you're you, – you think there could be a little hint of mercy and there's none, you know, and uh, it's very brutal, you know, and so there's a lot, some of that just kind of has a real high shock value. Um, and then when you get to the end, you think you can guess what's going to happen and it's just twists and turns of a story and, you know, it just, and then when, and then even the way it ends, it just kind of like, wow, mm-hmm. wow, did it really just end there like that and so on? But it's not a bad way. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to spoil it. Even if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. It's just, it's just a really, really cool concept that was put together. I mean, Channing Tatum, he shows up and you, you get to see his side of the character and, you know, and what he brings to the table and his demise and the way things go with, I mean, you realize they're, you know, it's brother, sister, and it's just, uh, it gives you a, a reasonable purpose why somebody would stick their neck out to try to save a prisoner. And, um, and like I said before, there was just no dialogue parts that were just really killed me. I mean, Matson just didn't have a lot of help with the way he was designed and, what they made him as a background story because everybody else seemed to have their background story well put together. Oh, yeah. everybody, everybody. I mean, like, you know, every, it, nothing wrong with Madsen's writing and his dialogue, just how he looked. No, I don't know. Some parts when he would just talk and what he was saying, he was doing, it was like, eh, and you got somebody who's got a great story about being the hangman. You got Bob, who's got his story down packed about, they left and I'm taking care of the horses and what are you doing here? And I'm, you know, you calling me a liar, you know I mean? Just, you know, <laughs> all that stuff was really, really good. The general never spoke up and <clears throat> he went down his deal deal, you know, and then you get Madsen and he was just kind of, that's it. He was kind of background, right? You know what he makes me feel like this whole time? He, you could pluck him from the entire movie and you would, it would makes no difference in the movie. 
Yeah, he was un- he was almost unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, he was almost like a late addition. Like, ah, I got to find a job for him. I can slide him in, and it doesn't matter if he's here or not. You know? Yeah. I mean, really, he was just another gun to be able to kill the amount of people are there in the setup, and then, and then in the end, you know, go you know go out like a chump. I mean, I just you know, it was just like, hmm, why? I don't know. It's not like a, he was so bad. I didn't want him in the movie. It doesn't look like I didn't like his character. No, well, he he needed to be there to try to see if he was one of the bad guys. Maybe not one of the bad guys. You know, he added he had an extra element of you automatically thought he was one of the bad guys by the the weakest background story of the person being investigated. You right, know? he it was the most suspicious. Exactly. So, whatever. Maybe they just needed that guy, yeah. the guy that's the most suspicious. You know, that didn't. Didn't seem like he was as sharp as the rest. Absolutely. You know, but... And then certain there's characters in there that have no idea what's going on. You know, or just in the fray. You, mm-hmm. know? you know, characters like the sheriff and OB. Characters like that that just happen to be, be along on the wrong the staying coach right. and the wrong haberdashery. So, I feel like they had a nice mix of characters with different motivations characters with different backgrounds that you knew would clash when they were put together and uh, man just a lot of enjoyment out of this a lot of it and the trailers and some of the reviews i've read are showing this as a massively violent movie is not it, it is really nowhere isn't. even close to django uh as far as violence as far as crudeness i mean it is nothing in comparison no oh my god I, I can think of Django and there's parts of that movie where there's blood on every wall and every ceiling when people are getting shot 40 times 30 40 times and it looks like they're being blown to bits and you know it's just but over the, the top the violence is different it's only basically gun violence so if you think about the scene from Django where they're shooting each other all over the mansion that's about what you get um there's not people beating someone to death with a hammer you know and dogs tearing someone apart it's not even to the level of inglorious bastards no with baseball bats and stranglings and all kinds of stuff this is more i don't know i think this may have been one of the best balanced movies he's ever done as far as violence was more cut and dry his violence his dialogue the setting you know how much he you know was showing just cool scenario or not like scenery like you were talking about yeah he mixes in a lot he mixes in a ton of stuff and makes it just so well balanced you know we we saw the digital version of the 70 millimeter but it was wonderful it didn't take away from me the bottom line is is that you spent as much time in awe over the the writing the violence and everything else. But you also spent just as much time laughing and your ribs hurting because of the dialogue and humor and the quips and the comments and everything else. And that that's what made it very, very entertaining. Yeah. Uh, he's the king of that. He's the king of throwing comic relief on such a serious movie. And there's a ton of it. I mean, there's belly laughs in this yeah. movie. You know, and we were in a movie theater and I mean, talking about demographics, I mean, it was about 50 50. You know, oh, and everybody was enjoying it. Women, men, uh, different races. Yeah. We I mean, happened a- to sit next to 
it looks like at least eight black people uh, right next to us. Yeah, and they were laughing, giggling they just were as much as we were. Up. It was it was super nice, and you know, it was just it was. You know, like I said, they don't make a parody of race, even though they like to make a lot of racial comments, this sort of thing, but it's not a parody of it. But the, <laughs> it's the not, only, you know, not over-centralized. Black people would be the only ones I would think that could have any qualms with the movie, right? Have any issue with some of the, the words and some of the dialogue and some of the things they were said. But I looked at them. We are all enjoying the movie the same. We were all laughing our asses off. So I think even... Even that came across as genuine and well written, right? So I'm 100 on that, you know, because I mean the proof was in the pudding. We were surrounded by people. Every time we were laughing, everybody else was laughing. Absolutely, and that's what, that's what, that's what, you know that's what was good about it. So it was universal. And that's what, so really like that. Really, really Absolutely. like that. We both said that we would probably go see it again just to catch just to catch more of the dialogue that we may have missed. I would in a heartbeat. It was. Like I said, I consider it my favorite one. You know, it's top. It's hard to top Pulp Fiction, but there were parts of Pulp Fiction that I struggled with. There was just so many cool, dynamic first timers for you know first time things in Pulp Fiction that I absolutely loved. But the the, the other parts, but this right here was just a great story from A to Z, and that's what I really like. I think I said I think I like the balance the best on this, but. You know, it's hard for me to judge anything beyond that. The first twenty minutes of Inglorious Bastards. You know, I think that's as yeah. top notch a filmmaking as you that's can do. That's two. That, that's that's a main. That's a one character and another. You know, this has got eight, nine. Exactly. Dude just as good. Exactly. I think it just shows how strong he's getting with his writing. You know. Well, you know, they say he's going to do ten movies and retire, and this was his eighth one. Well, he's having a really hard time. You know, what's the shooting film? He wants the theaters to play his stuff in film. You know, this movie was supposed to be two hours and 62 minutes or whatever where it was. Three hour and something minutes, right? 20 minutes longer than what we watched because it needed an interlude, intermission, all kinds of crap to go along with it mm-hmm. because they actually changed the reel, put the second reel on, everything like that. And a lot of theaters gave him a lot of pushback. So it only went wide film i think in like a hundred theaters and then they had the digital version which was 20 minutes shorter like i said and it didn't take away a damn bit to me i mean i realized maybe it wasn't his full vision but god it was good it was good i didn't need an intermission i was fine nah. and he'll make a he'll make a crap lot of money out of it yeah it was only 44 million to make this movie i'm telling make- you 80 percent of that is salary yeah, and they're going to make a shite load after this. I bet they made close to 60 in the first four or five days. Yeah, probably so. You know, and I know his movies will start to tail off a little bit, but word of mouth should spread that this is a damn good movie. Yeah, yeah. I will have it in my collection when it's available. Yeah, yeah. He's a like a director collection you could see yourself owning. Because mm. it doesn't, other than maybe the Grindhouse flicks, you know, that... Most of his stuff is pretty top-notch. I don't know. You, you, Grindhouse, Jackie Brown, you know. Jackie Brown's worth a rewatch. Just for the dialogue, like I said. You know, it's not terrible. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. You got anything else on this, man? No, I'm going to call it, dude. I'm Just go that, see it. Man. Everybody go see hey, it. Hey, it's a, it's a badass movie. 
you'd enjoy it especially you know if you're not if you don't mind uh you know violence vulgarity you know uh you know a touch of male nudity and that's it not a single female nudity scene none of that there's no sex no rape it's just you know it's it's just hateful hateful eight or nine dudes who really hate each other and decide to shoot each other you know (laughs) you know pretty much what it is you know (laughs) and shoot some other people in the process too (laughs) absolutely good twists and turns amazing writing really good really good well guys anything other than that that's it um if you got a few minutes to give us a review a positive one on itunes stitch or anything like that we greatly greatly appreciate it it always helps us you can always reach us at uh bleed tv podcast at gmail.com as well as at bleed tv podcast on twitter and we have a facebook page and a uh website so hit us up on anything uh follow subscribe we love it we'd love to chat with you anything you can bring us to we uh, really want to incorporate it um other than that, I think we'll call it from here, man. Yeah. Talk to you later. Guys, we'll see y'all next week or so. Later.